Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and if someone asks about your hope as a friend of the pod, always be ready to explain it. Today we're telling stories. Barry's here to close out Hope Month, but before we follow the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, now that they've taken all the credit for the gifts they've received, let's welcome in our favorite co-host, Meredith Barry. Good day, guys. Good Good day. day. Don't side-eye me. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? This pot is a gift. That's right. You should always be ready to Taking explain all why you, the credit why you for like receiving it. it. <laughs> uh, guys, how are you? What's new? Fine. I'm playing a little hurt today. You're, You're playing, playing hurt? hurt? Yeah. I've got like the allergy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you were wearing recovering. a mask. I was wearing Sunday. a mask at church. I couldn't participate in the baptism service, which is very frustrating. Yeah. You were supposed to be in the tank at 11? Yeah. Mm, but could've, instead, could've it had to you. be Barry. Could have been you. Well, yeah. <laughs> People want to get baptized by their lead pastor. I think so. I think that's true. Okay, yeah. so. sure, but so good call. <laughs> but, good they call. Have a whole, yeah. but they have a whole team of pastors. Yeah, and I would like those yeah. pastors to also baptize people. So, well, catch twenty two. Not this time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm recovering from uh, I don't know what even what it is sinus infection, uh, and allergy stuff. So do you like do you go to the doctor when you get sick like this, or are you just like over the counter? Typically, yeah, I do. But my doctor does things like tells me to put my feet in the grass. That's true. You still have not gotten a second opinion on that, have you? <laughs> so I'm looking for a new doctor uh, because what I don't even remember what it was. I oh, I had a high cholesterol, <laughs> yeah, and the right. doctor told me to go put my feet in the grass. That's right, because you need. And to again, be more I like, can't remember. Is it to get yourself more active, or is it about the ionization of? Yeah, the it's earth? like Be connected, it's the earth part. connected to the earth. You yeah. need to be grounded. Yeah, there's actual scientific evidence that says something I helps don't, when you are barefoot in the grass. However, if you're barefoot and eating Cheerios and eating oatmeal, I bet you your cholesterol will go down. And, and, near, <laughs> and near trees. Well, near she, trees. She, she said, uh, don't eat pork or um, beef. Eat chicken and put your feet in the and grass. And you said, get behind me. Well, I said, yeah. I was like, I have two grills. <laughs> <laughs> Can we you, have to. There's no way I'm filling both no. girls with chicken. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm playing a little bit hurt, but uh, we're good. Um, how are you? How are you guys? <laughs> I, I'm slow on the uptake with with eight sound bite banks. We just talked about chicken, and I have a chicken sound bite. But, but you can't it, find it. It took me too much well, to scroll. Here. What is so it? It's too pa- it's, well, and they here. weren't having chicken for dinner tonight. Yeah, you're right. Wow, you're that right. would have been good. That yeah. actually would have, <laughs> would have been very appropriate. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Wow. Took me too her. long. So uh, her. how are you? How are you guys? Marin, how are you? I'm great, Barry. How yeah. are you? Oh, come on. <laughs> it's your turn. I never go first, Barry. Well, you know this throws me off. I'm doing good. I'm hey, doing fine. we got a lot to talk about. Everything's fine. There, you just crossed You're a right. major <laughs> milestone. So I sit here and I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, but every time I sit in this chair, yeah. I, the same thing. Same question every no, week. The same question every week. Yeah. But it's like when I walk into Target or Walmart and I forget why I'm, why there, I'm there and yeah. I'm just immediately overwhelmed with all of the things that happens to me every single time we record this podcast. You just can't remember one thing that's I new. I couldn't the most important thing that I turned 40. You turned you 40. Turned, I 40. We sang, I sang from the baptismal <laughs> happy birthday. 
You did. And I thank you. You're right. I had a really good weekend. Thanks for reminding me. But like we've moved on, right? We've had a Monday. Yeah, but we're most you're of the 40 way through now. our Tuesday. I 40. Am, I am 40 now. What? <laughs> on the, does that feel like? What day was it that we bumped into you guys? That what? was on Saturday. So on Saturday, Liv and I and Cleo were in the car driving down to Liv's parents' house and we're at a stoplight on Allisonville Road and all of a sudden a whole car full of gaffrins just pulls up Whoa. right next to us. Well, I mean, you're right. It's odd for us all to be in the same car at the same time now. You guys were hollering at us and we were like, we both just happened to be pulled up right next to each other. It so was delightful. From my vantage point, we pull up, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're about to turn left and this, this blue Prius is about to go straight, but we see this like majestic dog with this flowing <laughs> oh. hair, like with his head out the window. We're like a majestic dog in a Prius that has to be it Barry. It has to be, yeah. It has There's to be no Barry. other option. That, wait, I was the majestic dog? <laughs> yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. No, Cleo loves the car. Is so it weird? Very excited to see you. Seeing <laughs> anyway, they were on their way to yeah. the birthday dinner. Birthday dinner. So sorry. That's oh yeah, you're whole... all dressed up. Yeah, I guess that was like last night of being in my 30s dinner, yeah. maybe because gotcha. that that wasn't the birthday itself. The birthday itself was Baptism Sunday. That mm-hmm. was the actual day of my birth. Yes, so that was that was nice. <laughs> Is it weird to see each other unplanned? It's like seeing like we your, see each other uh, every your day. elementary school teacher at the grocery store. It's we like, see each what? other every day at the office, but there was one time. I was getting pizza at Ale Emporium. That's right. And I'm in line to get pizza. <laughs> and I'm with my son, Milo. And Milo goes, that looks like TT, which is what my sons call you, Marin. And I was like, yeah, that, that's probably not. Oh, that is. That's Marin and Jed just sitting at Ale Emporium. And I hanging out. It's like, I don't want It feels weird. It doesn't feel I got, weird. No. I think the weirdest thing for me, there is a, there's an element of novelty when I see either of you outside of these <laughs> confines. Yeah. Like my brain expects yeah. to see you here and I'm okay with seeing you here. Sure. But it's weird to me when you cross into my territory because you yeah. don't live in Fishers. You no. don't live in Fishers. It was just weird for me yeah. to see you it's, like these, <laughs> these are the paths that I make from, yeah. from, from uh-huh. Castleton to 146th street, pretty much never North of that. But yeah. like, that's my little groove. So when I see you guys mm-hmm. in my yeah. neighborhood, I'm like, what are you doing? Here? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> there was one time I saw somebody that we are really good friends with. I saw them at Walgreens unexpected and I just like panicked. Did you, did you duck them? Did you try not to talk to them? <laughs> no. I mean, I said hi. Like, she saw me and she's like, Tyler, hey. And I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? And I just kept kept walking. <laughs> hey, how's it going? I got to go places yeah. to be. But like, we're really good friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> and I just panicked because I was not expecting to see them. Oh, that's oh, funny. Uh, anyway, so you had a great birthday. I yeah. had a great birthday. We we had a really nice dinner. And then Sunday, um, Sunday, um, a lot of my friends from the Venezuelan community threw me a birthday party. Um, Jose Felix is one of the vocalists on our... Oh, we're having a resurrection party in it here. It very much was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So my, my friend Astrid's birthday was last week, and yeah. Astrid sings on the worship team, and she's Venezuelan. We were at her house for her birthday party. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as conversation was going on, people were like, oh, my goodness, your birthday is next weekend? What no. are you doing? And I said, nothing, because I had zero birthday plans whatsoever. And they said, well, you're doing something now. So they threw me a party to end all parties. Wow. Oh, my To end all parties. It was without question, like the best birthday party I've ever had. A guitar came out right away, immediately. (laughs) And from that moment on, there was just nonstop music 
spontaneous music. Dancing. Some of it was worship. Some of it was just like fun, fun songs, love songs, or even sure. Christmas songs. There was yeah, lots of, of dancing. They brought out a cajon. That's like the yep. box drum for my son to mm-hmm. play. Just all very impromptu, very spontaneous. The food was amazing. They yeah. made me a tres leches cake. Um, yeah, my favorite cake in the whole world. What, what is what is that? It's, uh, it's Spanish it sounds for, really three, good. It's for three leches. Three milks? <laughs> three milks in one cake. You would love it. <laughs> you would love it. Isn't leche milk? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And milk, there's three, three different milk. kinds oh, of really? milk. What's uh, the other one? Cow milk, goat milk, rat milk? I, yeah. <laughs> I know that sweetened condensed milk. milk is one of them. It's a very like okay. saturated, yeah. I, I don't want to say the M Soupy, word. Moist? That's going to make someone oh, upset. Sorry. It's very triggering. It's a very saturated I don't know if Jeff is a cake. Of the pod. Jeff Under does not like milk or the word moist. <laughs> yeah, that's Especially true. not so moist this, milk cake. This yeah. moist milk cake. <laughs> no. This would be his nightmare. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But no, it was just so fantastic. So much fun. That's good. It's awesome. Um, so we touched on it. We acknowledged your birthday in services Sunday. Yeah, Amy did. Amy, Amy acknowledged it and everybody saying happy birthday. I immediately turned to Lauren and I said, this will not be good enough when I'm 40. Is that right? <laughs> Just so you know, a whole room full of people singing. <laughs> this will not, not be enough. good enough. I ex- I I need a red carpet. I'm it's like taking a lot to get here. Very understated with my birthdays. Like I, yeah. I I want my husband and my kids to make a big deal out of me, but like that's it. I really no. just need like my husband. Want, and I don't my want kids. anyone to make a big deal. I don't want to make a big deal. I don't want anyone to make a big deal. But I want to go away. You want to go somewhere? Yeah, I want. Oh, I, want, I see. I Do you have like, a place in mind? Because it's coming right up. No, it's fast approaching. Friends like, of the pod, Tyler it's and closing I, in on you. Tyler and I both turn forty within two days of each other. Can you feel the pressure on your chest? Grown up boy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm pumped to turn forty <laughs> because I've always considered forty like the age in which people stop asking you to help move. You've said this before, <laughs> and it is not true. I was yeah. at your house helping you move when you're in your our thirties. No, your dad was there helping well, you move. Well, your parents are different. Yeah, that doesn't count. That's true. But like you wouldn't ask my dad to go move because he's <laughs> 68 years old. I don't know. I might. Your dad's jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I told her I, I want to go like when I turned 30, uh, we went with a bunch of friends to like a cabin in the woods. That's what I, I want to do that again. Did you play games? Lots no, and lots and we, lots we of games. Actually, no, no, no. We didn't. That was before my gaming started. <laughs> Um, how different are you now from when you were as a 30 year old? Uh, I'm only asking you this because I saw like on my time hop today yeah. on Facebook, cause I'm 40, you know, we, mm-hmm. people my age use Facebook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I saw a picture that my mom had posted of my 30th birthday. Yeah. They took me to TGI Fridays and I like, there was like this big, <laughs> do you remember when Chicago did like the, the cows when that was a thing like Chicago. downtown? No, I thought that that might have been big enough to like make it to your radar. Cows I know you went on like in missions Chicago? trip. That, they did yeah, like we went statues, to a mission trip in like Chicago. cow statues. I, I think, think one so. of Maybe. those is Maybe outside the TGI Fridays, and I sat on top of it, and you know, that my was mom, your thirtieth birthday. Thirtieth birthday. <laughs> no, I don't. I was like riding the bull at TGI Fridays. I could have zero attention paid to my birthday between big birthdays. Zero. Right. So 31, 32, no, Who cares? I don't care. But thirty but and forty. Forty. I want to do something. All right. I want to. So I, I I don't think, I don't think I'm that much different, but I probably, if I look back at a picture like that, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. A lot can happen in 10 years. Barry, what's new with you? Uh, 
Not much. I'll just tell you <laughs> there was a just a delightful. I'll just paint you a picture yeah. of last night. Liv and I went out. It was a beautiful evening. Just gorgeous. The blue skies, just the right temperature, a little bit chilly. We went out and built a big bonfire out in our big fire pit. Morning? No, an evening oh, fire, okay. like more appropriate. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Go back and listen to the last episode if you're <laughs> yeah. concerned about that reference. Um, And we let all the pigs out to just graze oh. and hang out around. And then we did an experiment because we've noticed that a couple of the pigs have escaped recently and I've come out to get them in the morning and found like Maggie, like walking up to me, like, help, I don't know how oh, to get no. back in. Anyway. But in the process, Cleo has been out with the pigs and I've noticed that she hasn't been like crazy. She usually wants to play with them and yeah. she freaks them out and then they run away. But like they, she's just kind of like chilling with them, just walking oh. around. And I was like, interesting. So we did an experiment where we let Cleo, we had like some really high value treats. Of, high value. Yeah. Like, like some, some pepperoni from the care center. Whoa. We don't, we don't buy, buy meat, but. He partied hard. <laughs> Cleo, Cleo partied hard last night. She <laughs> ate a lot of pepperoni, but so that we knew that we'd get instant recall. If she starts going a little crazy, we could yeah. say, Cleo, come. And she'll come right over to get some more pepperoni anyway. So we let her out and she was just going up, hanging out with the pigs, like interested to see what they were sniffing. Maybe is they it because they're bigger than she is. No, she just thinks they're just really weird looking dogs. Like, <laughs> oh. and they just don't seem to ever want to play with her. She yeah. does play bows and things like yeah. that. And they just don't, they don't respond. So yeah. anyway, it was, sitting out there with a big fire. We're both just reading books and the pigs are out grazing mm -hmm. around us and Cleo's laying down next to us. Our, our elderly neighbor dog Corky came over and he's, <laughs> he was hanging out with us. It was he's just maybe my favorite animal on your entire farm. <laughs> Why? Cause he just shows up out yeah. of nowhere. Oh yeah. Corky's here. Corky. And he has like full run of your house. <laughs> he he yeah. will come inside sometimes. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So anyway, I, th th there are every now and then there are these moments where I'm like, this is everything that we're, that we're aiming for. Yeah. And like Peace this whole, yeah, it's like, this the is lion the moment. lies down with the lamb. Exactly. That literally oh, yeah. the wolf was lying down with the pig and, uh, <laughs> they were, everything was just right. And it was beautiful. That's Aww. all. I was just letting you know yeah. that that just happened. Just a little slice of Eden. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. nice. Wow. That's all. That was my night. Well, we are a, an official Halloween family. Oh, so you know yeah. how like, I don't know. I don't really have like favorite holidays, but both of my kids are obsessed with Halloween. Like what's there not to love costumes. Well, they've been talking candy. about it. They've already been talking about Halloween for a month and it's not even October. <laughs> so what are they going to be? Well, they're going to be, well, I don't Teenage know. Mean Ninja Two Turtles. weeks ago, they're going to be Ninja Turtles, but I have no idea anymore. I think it's going to be turtles, but we'll see. Anyways, I came home yesterday and there's a giant, giant, spider web, like a fake one. Yeah. Uh, tied to our roof uh -huh. and goes into the middle of our yard. Wow. Okay. So it's just like a net. Yeah. With a giant spider about the size, like not about the size of half of this table. Wow. And then there's bat stickers all over our house. <laughs> and then there's pumpkin <laughs> Christmas lights like strung around. So Lauren is like, we have to be a Halloween family because our kids love Halloween. And I don't know how you guys feel about decorating like yard <laughs> decorations. I always thought it was just like, let's save it for Christmas. Sure. But yeah, I'm we, in, we I'm in to, that camp. We have to, we're decorating our yard with Halloween. Mm. So we're that family now. Mm. But after, so I pulled up and I was like, what are we doing here? What, why <laughs> there's yeah. And so, yeah. but 
by the time we went to bed, we had like a we had a bonfire last night. Yeah. Uh, we did s'mores. Lane, who's two, cannot stop talking about the spider web. He, he <laughs> thinks it's the best. The cool. He goes, a spider, really cool. <laughs> oh, and that is why you yeah, decorate that's your why house. We do it. That's why oh, we. Oh my goodness! He said it a number really of times. Cool. Like, Dad, that spider, it really cool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. That's why we do it. That's so cute. Uh, all right, so. We, t- we touched on baptisms. We had a baptism service. Mm-hmm. You you guys were obviously present, but it kind of like, it's not the culmination of Hope Month because I think that kind of culminates in weekend of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was very intentionally planned to have baptisms the last weekend of a sermon series in which we're talking about separation from God. So mm-hmm. how do you guys, looking back on that, how do you guys feel about that? about the series in general and how it kind of ended with that baptism service. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was a great, a great way to end the sermon series just because, I mean, we talk a lot about being separated from God. We talk a lot about how God's healing that separation and what it means for people to come back to him. Mm -hmm. But then, and even this past, this weekend, as I talk about like our story, each of our stories of individually, how God has brought us back to him but then to see it and yeah. to see like yeah. the transformation, to hear some of the stories of people and where they came from. And, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, all ages yeah. and all experiences and, and just, it's such a beautiful reminder. I, I kept thinking, Marin, you know how you were, you had hope because of your story of your brother. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, well, here's hope right here. Look at all of these folks mm-hmm. yeah. who've chosen to, to give their lives to Christ. And it it's, of all ages, again, mm-hmm. it, it's a reminder that there is hope because this is still happening right now, right in front of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I felt the same way. And if you're an 11 o'clock attendee, you didn't get to see um, somebody who's 71 years old got baptized at the 915 service. Wow. And again, just as I talked to so many different families and parents after last week's message where I did talk about my brother and how he turned his heart back to Christ in his 40s. Um, and explaining to them like, Hey, God is not done yet. God has Mm. not given up on them Mm -hmm. to see this man make this decision in his seventies was remarkable. And I really hope that that was an encouragement to others as much as it was an encouragement to me. Mm. I wonder, so at the first week of the, of the series, we had people write down names of people that they would pray for. And we call it their one, like the one person you're thinking about all month and praying for and whatever. Uh, hope that hope that they have an encounter with God. I wonder if any of those people were the people that were in the baptism. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I don't know if 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 we know that or not. But well, we be- did hear one story from a family who invited other family and friends to come and see the baptism yeah. of I think their son. Their mm-hmm. son was getting baptized, mm-hmm. and the family and friends who themselves had been separated from God yeah. were so impacted by yeah. what they saw. I think their words were, uh, it lit a spark yeah. in me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is just incredible. Again, this is what we've been talking about all month. Yeah. All right, so like I said, we were wrapping up the last week of our Hope Month series. Barry, you gave the the sermon, and um, I'm going to do things a little bit differently today, but before we kick that off, kind of what was the big idea? Help set us up for what the big idea was that you wanted people to walk away with. Yeah, I so I... I kind of looking back on the whole series, if we started by talking about 
you know, what's, what's the problem? What's going on? People are separated from God. Talked about us. What's our role in that? That was week one. Week two, we talked about, okay, and what's the grand story? What's the grand Mm -hmm. storyline that we all find ourselves in that this is all a part of? Week three, Marin helped us understand the heart of a God that would want to bring us back to himself. The, the looking at the story of the lost sons. And so we kind of been expanding outward and outward. And then this weekend, I essentially brought it all the way back to us. So if our role is to, uh, is to be ambassadors to represent Christ to our world, to our ones, then, and as we've been saying through this series, like a lot of what you're going to need to do to participate in healing separation from God is simply living out the values of the King, like actually Mm -hmm. demonstrating the love and the grace and the forgiveness and all of, of what Jesus offers us to your one or to your world. And, but I said, there will come a time to speak. And so what are you going to say? And essentially my proposal is don't, don't speak. Don't try to like win theological arguments. Don't bash people over the head with facts or Jesus or the Bible or anything. Just tell them your story and what is your story of redemption. And so Mm -hmm. the whole focus of the sermon really was to help people articulate if they haven't already, what is their story of redemption? And so we looked at Ephesians two. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I just (laughs) preached about it this whole weekend. Ephesians two, one through 10, where we kind of, Paul kind of describes the, the, what has happened to us starting from once you were dead in your sins to, and now you're a masterpiece of God with good things that he's prepared in advance for you to do. How did that happen? What's that transformation and helping people kind of put themselves into that story and understand their journey. Yeah. So I usually come in here moderately prepared (laughs) (laughs) with questions and I try to help us go deep uh, into what we learned in the, in the sermon or from last weekend. Um, But given the nature of the big idea and helping folks articulate their stories, I thought it was important to practice a little bit of what you preached. And so uh, we're heading into weekend of service and I know um, the sermon last weekend was about our stories and there's going to, there, there could be opportunities for people heading into weekend of service to put, put their story together and put it into practice. So how do we share it? How do we, consider our story. And I wanted to take the rest of our time on this podcast to spend sharing our stories in the framework that you gave us Mm. as a, as a congregation. So I asked both of you guys to come ready to share your story or testimony as it were. So I think that's what I want to do for the rest of our time. Um, you kind of broke down, um, thinking through this and articulating it in, in three like chunks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if you could just like overview what those chunks are, how would you describe that? Sum up the chunks. All right. So (laughs) chunk one, uh, this is the first few verses, which describes essentially our status as completely selfish beings that are, that are following the the desires of our sinful nature, as Paul says, which, which again, I, I, I describe sins as rejecting what God desires for us. And so he desires justice and we pursue injustice. That's sin. Uh, he desires abundance and we choose greed. That's sin. It's we choose ourself above all else. And as a result, we are exiled from God's presence because of that choice to continuously do the things that are against what he desires for us. Mm -hmm. And, and, against what is our best, what's actually best for us. So that's part one. It's talking about the fact that we are obeying the, the 
he talks about the spirit of the air. It talks about the, just the NLT just says the devil, but the evil one is, is lying to us and we are following his advice and pursuing our own selfish passions instead of what God would have for us. That's where all of our stories begin Yeah, is in that state. Okay. And then uh, what's chunk number two? Oh, chunk number two is, but even when we were dead in our sin, God saved us through mm-hmm. his grace and, and essentially goes into the idea that through Christ, yeah. our, our sinful natures have been crucified with him, went to the grave and we were raised with him like as new people. Yeah. And now we are seated with Christ. We are unified with Christ in, in, uh, this new form of living, this new way of being alive and being human, where we are able to, um, to begin to be free of that sinful nature and begin living, uh, living a different, living into God's desires mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. And then chunk three, part three is, uh, the part that I, we often forget. We talk about parts one and two and we don't go into part three, but it's a big deal here at grace is part three is okay. And then yeah, well, we are given a purpose. Yeah. You know, th- this is where, you know, you're a masterpiece of God and he created you in, in Christ Jesus to do good things that he prepared in advance for you to do. Now that we have been saved from our sinful nature and, and we are being redeemed and changed and saved, we also get to then go into the world and be the salt and the light of the world that we can yeah. be the hands and feet of Jesus. And each one of us is given a specific purpose based on who we are, even sometimes based on our past we get to go and live that out in our broken world and bring healing because that's what Jesus does. And again, we're unified with him. Yeah. Okay. So those are the chunks. Um, those are the chunks. Those are the chunks. So who would like to show us what this looks like in terms of articulating a story within this framework or within these chunks? Are we going to take it chunk by chunk or are you asking us to no, like, just tell the story? Tell the story. Tell the story. The whole, the whole dang story. Yeah. <laughs> We can keep it to 30 seconds or, or less. That'd be I great. Can't. Really? <laughs> go right I'm just joking. <laughs> That's you, Pastor. Oh, you want me to go first? All right. Mm-mm-mm, don't be like that guy. <laughs> I grew up I grew up in the church. And so I, I made a joke about being like three when I turned from my life yeah. of crime and <laughs> yeah. gave my life to Christ. I don't have this, I never lived this like life of sin that you would look at and be like, Oh wow. So Mm. far from God. No, I was just a good Christian kid most of the time. And like the worst thing I ever did, like literally people don't understand how, like how whole and healthy my relationships, even with my family were, I, I once raised my voice at my parents when I was frustrated and I was a senior in high, high school and I was, I was upset and I raised my voice and then drove separately to church. <laughs> and when we got to church, we hugged and made up and I apologized. Oh, so the height of your rebellion was driving separately to, to church. church. Yes. You partied so. hard. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just trying to paint a picture. I was a, I was a good Christian kid. So for me, yeah. the dead in your sins was not necessarily what you might imagine as someone living this like dissolute life of, of, I was not the prodigal son, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, what I discovered as I, especially as I grew up and realized and looked at my own life is that sin patterns had woven themselves into my life. Addictions. Uh, this is one of the big ahas I had in Kenya. I've told this story before mm-hmm. where I, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm in a time of 
personal growth. I'm going to list out all of my sins and addictions and sin struggles. And maybe I can figure out something I could be working on. And I started writing it all down and it was like page after page because I had, as a good Christian boy, like I had compartmentalized all of my sin, all of my selfishness into little manageable bite-sized pieces Mm. and, and thought that I was fine. And it wasn't, wasn't until I looked at it all and I realized how broken I was and how, how, um, really I was, most of my choices were being driven by selfish motives. I was not living into the, the whole, I was not unified with Christ. And so for me, it took sequence. This has happened now multiple times, different levels each time, but I have had to learn how to re-surrender my life to Christ and take it to a deeper level of deeper abandon to God's purposes, uh, deeper surrender. And as I've done that, I've watched myself come alive as I've learned my own selfish tendencies. I've begun to learn what it's like to, to do other than that, to begin testing out the waters of self-giving love. And, and that kind of has been my, my journey. And I've started to understand, I I asked one of the questions was, how has your vantage point on the world changed Mm. now that you are seated with Christ? As, as Paul says, I thought that was an interesting question. I don't know if anybody had anything good to think about with that. But for me, I think about it because I, for so long as a good Christian kid was in sin management mm. where it was all about avoiding the person I'm not supposed to be instead mm. of what I see it now as instead, my, my role is to become who I already am in Christ. Mm. Like I'm, I'm becoming who he sees me to be. I'm not just avoiding yeah. who I used to be. And so that's been my journey. And now, I mean, over the last 15 years, I've become increasingly aware of the fact that I am, that God has intentions for, he's got plans on me, plans for my life that include participating with him in healing the brokenness of the world. And some of that involves the obvious stuff. I'm a pastor now, but like a lot of it involves subtle things and ways that I'm wired and ways that I can be compassionate towards children or even Mm -hmm. animals or, or, how I can demonstrate self-giving love when I interact with someone at the grocery store. Like there are little things that I'm realizing now are a part of my purpose and Mm -hmm. calling that I'm like, Oh, there are good things for me to do Mm -hmm. here. And I'm learning how to be obedient to the Holy spirit so that I'm, I'm aware when he's asking me, Hey, go talk to that person. Hey, go, Mm -hmm. you know, give this person uh, some money or whatever it is big ways and small, I'm learning how to live into that purpose. Yeah. And I've given my life over to full-time ministry. And yeah. <laughs> so, but that, but that's the sort of outward obvious expression of something that God's been doing in my heart, which is as I've learned how to surrender to him, I've become more and more aware of how he's using me and my gifts and my skills and my passions to help heal the world. So when you were, you know, you said you put it, you were in a, a time of self-discovery. And so you're going to write down. Yeah what, what that was for you. Yeah. Was it just a matter of you being like, well, that can't be the way it, that shouldn't be the way it is. So I'm just going to make this change. Like what, what prompted what, me to do that? Yeah. What, not what prompted you to do it, but what prompted you to walk away from it? Like those, those bad behaviors or those things that you, as you put it, um, kept you exiled from the presence of God or enslaved yeah. to your own passions and desires. What, what, compelled you to walk away from that stuff? Before I was in Kenya and before I did that exercise, I, I was a junior in college and I had become 
a shadow of my former self because cynicism and anger and frustration and confusion had come to dominate my life to the point where I was not compassionate. I was not caring for others well. I was thinking of me first and foremost, and maybe just me only, and was caught in spirals of addiction, addictive behaviors and things that I just was not like I was stuck in a, in a, I used to think of it as I was stuck in a a muddy pit and I, there was no way to scramble out of it. And so when I was in Kenya and I saw all of these sin, you know, quote unquote sins listed on a page, it, to me, it just helped me understand a bigger picture of my goodness. I am not, I'm not happy with who I am. Yeah. I don't, this is not like, this does not feel like a life that I want to live. And I can see now how my choices and my actions are hurting other people that I care about. And that to me was enough to say something's got to change. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, I was in a place at a time in my life where I had the freedom to just completely try out a new way of living. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I realized that I wasn't always very truthful. And so I decided, what if I just was hyper truthful and began forcing myself to only tell the truth? Cause when I was in Kenya, what is the worst that could happen? They're going to think less of me for, but no, I'm just going to try it out. And it really genuinely shaped my approach to truth and honesty. And like, so it it was a, I just didn't want to be that person anymore. And I could finally see who I was. And I I just was done. I was Mm -hmm. done with that. And yeah, that's, that's the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I think my throughout my life, I've always been tempted to like come up with a, uh, testimony mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it, it is really refreshing to, to listen to you talk about your story the way you do, because you're, it, you're not trying to do that. You're like you're being authentic to who you are and it's still just as powerful about the transformation God did in your life as it is someone who, who did go through, does go through a lot of like other stuff that yeah. they would include in their testimony. But I feel like I've always been tempted to be like, there's not, there's not enough to my story here sure. to like impact other people. So what, what can I, what can I do or what I don't have much to offer? You know, mm. I don't have much to offer in terms of sharing my story or testimony, but it's really re- refreshing hearing somebody be authentic to um, the, 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 the format in which you're, you're the chunks yeah. um, while also saying, you know, transformation was just as real in me as it is in anyone else. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could say to put it really shorthand, like I was a good Christian boy, but I was not alive. And now I'm, yeah, I'm alive and I could see the difference. I know Mm. I'm a different man than I was. And so there is a testimony there. And yeah, I agree. Lots of people would say, well, I never really had my, my rebel years or whatever. So that's fine because God's still redeeming. Yeah, that's right. Your brokenness. I feel like there's a macro and there's a micro. Mm. Like we talk a lot here at Grace Church, like about sin with a capital S, you know, or church with a capital C. And there's like this corporate, we all once were dead in the way we used to live, Mm. dead to sin. All of us used to live that way. So there's like the story of humanity that you painted for us, I Mm -hmm. think in week two. Yeah. But then there's the Marin's story. Right. You know, and so whether or not, my testimony is as, you know, scandalous or, 
you know, arresting your attention like like my parents would have been. Sure. I'm still part of that bigger story. Yeah. I'm still part of the story of humanity that you yeah. painted in in week two. So even as I was doing this exercise, because I also grew up in church mm-hmm. and can struggle with the, well, I mean, by comparison to the other kids I went to school with, I was pretty yeah. good, you know, yeah. like yeah. I can do that. But I also have to tie myself to that, that macro picture, that bigger picture of, no, that's my story too. I was once dead in my sin. And then I was able to like boil it down to the finer points of, you know, my own personal story, but we're all connected to that bigger story, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what I wrestled with as I was doing this exercise. Okay. So, uh, do you want to go next or you want me to? I'll go. Um, so yeah, as I said, if I, I I tried to think if I was talking to my one who, who knows my story, like we, we've been friends for ages and ages. If I was talking to Heather (laughs) right now, how would I tell her my story? And I could talk to her about like the, the story of humanity and how all of us are part of that turning away from God's good desire, turning away from Eden, rejecting what he desires for us. And I can, I can write myself into that story. I think that she would get that. She has a faith background way, 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 way in the background. Um, but I, I often start with the story of like my mother's redemption. Cause I was born mm. to a single mom and mm. she really had this like miraculous rescue and I wouldn't be here. I would not be alive if it weren't for her miraculous rescue. And so oftentimes my story starts there where the goodness of God, where his light broke through the darkest darkness uh, of drugs and murder and all kinds of things, just very, very dark, broke through, rescued my mom because she was given new life. I was given a chance at life. Mm. And so that becomes part of my story. So sometimes it it starts there when I'm talking about, you know, why, why do I love God the way I do? Why have I chosen to serve him with my life the way that I have? A lot of it has to stem to that yeah. initial rescue. And then I did grow up in the church and uh, she raised me in the church, she and my dad. Um, and I was throughout my childhood and into high school, a a, a good Christian kid. I would have described myself that way. My friends probably would have described me that way. Sure. Like at nauseum, like, ugh. well, Marin doesn't do that because Marin's yeah. so good. You know, <laughs> I was the kid that nobody ever invited to parties. That's, I'll put it that way. I was the kid that everyone couldn't wait to see like when I finally broke, like, yeah. when, when she parties, it's going to be out of control. Um, but I would have described myself that way, but in me was being fostered this like self-righteousness, whether I would have recognized Mm. that or not. And so, you know, when I would, I don't know, in my early, early twenties, I was doing ministry, like music ministry and I'd travel and sing and always had a microphone. So I was always sharing the word. And I think that there was a part of me because I had been so good. I stood the test of high school without falling, faltering, you know, because I was good. Maybe I, maybe I was qualified to be Mm. doing that kind of ministry. Mm. And then that just broke that shattered, um, later on in my twenties. And 
I was confronted with my own sin patterns and my own brokenness in such a way that I couldn't forgive myself. I had no grace for myself. Um, so when you say, how was your life transformed? Um, how is your life? How is your transformed life an example of the grace and kindness of God? That was your question. How is your transformed life an example of the grace and kindness of God? And I was, I would answer that. He, God, extended grace and forgiveness to me when I could not do that for myself. Mm. I, I've shared it on this podcast before, telling a friend of mine, you know, I think that's it. I think I've, I've just disqualified myself from ministry. And that mm. friend said to me, I'm sorry you ever felt you were qualified to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And that was, to this day, that's such a liberating thought that I am not qualified because of my goodness or my badness, but I'm qualified because of his grace and I cannot add anything to his grace and I can't not, I can't take away from his grace. He is everything. His grace is my sufficiency period. End of story. Um, and so then that goes to like, what lies from the evil one? Did you believe about yourself? Well, I believed that I was good enough. Mm. That was a lie. Yeah. Then I believed I wasn't good enough. That was a lie. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was all about his grace from the beginning. Um, and I would say, you know, I'm 40 now. We've, we've, we've touched on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the enemy stops lying. He's the father of lies. And in that way, Christ rescues me every single day from lies that I'm told. Life in Christ is not the one-time moment of like initial surrender but it's life in Christ. It's ongoing. Letting his word dwell richly within me dispels the lies that I face every day. Lies like I'm not strong enough. Well, if I'm letting him dwell with me and I'm dwelling with him, then I know that I'm more than a conqueror conqueror through Christ. I'm enough because he is enough. His grace is sufficient for me. I'm not worthy to be his ambassador. That's a lie. Because by grace, I've been saved through faith and it's not my own work. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is a gift of God. Mm. I'm worthy to be his ambassador because it is his gift that makes me worthy. It is not my works. It's not my past. It's him. Another lie. I'm not qualified to do the good works that he prepared for me to do in advance. I'm not qualified to do those works. I was reading today in 1 Corinthians Brothers, think of what you were called. Think of what you were. I'm sorry. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. That all describes me. Not wise, not influential, not of noble birth (laughs) by any means. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. To me, that is a truth that dispels the lie that because of my uh, less than desirable origin story, not being of noble birth, not being, you know, I was always jealous of people who had a dad and a mom and Mm. like this nice nuclear family, you describing your upbringing, Barry. Oh my gosh. I would give my arm and my leg to have had an experience like you did growing up. Yeah. That's not my experience. Mm. Um, and yet 
he still chose me and he qualifies me to be his ambassador and to do these works that he's laid out before me. Um, again, because he uses lowly, lowly things mm. like me. Um, that's how I'd share my story. I don't know if you want us to go into the destiny part now. Is that a chunk we're saving for later or should I go, no, go for it? I think that that is unfolding. You asked the question, what are the good things that he's given you to do? Or what are you discovering about your purpose and calling and identity? I think all of us, again, corporately have a purpose and a calling and identity to, like you said, represent him and represent others back to him, right? We can all identify with that calling. But for me personally, it has been a steady unfolding my entire adult life. I never saw myself as a worship leader ever, ever, ever. And when he placed that challenge in front of me, I laughed at it, but okay. Then I just started doing it. Mm. And then he did things through music and music ministry and whatever beyond anything I could have ever imagined. That happened again when you asked me if I would join the teaching team. Yeah. I, I laughed and then I took the challenge and he is even now unfolding that element of my purpose, that element of my destiny, that's still unfolding. I think maybe for me, the next horizon is just this ownership of what it means to be a pastor and a mentor, especially to younger people. I'm 40 now. (laughs) I am here. And more and more and more. Sitting here with a blanket over your lap. I'm so cold. I'm so cold. I can't feel my fingers. You're wearing a knitted hat. I'm very cold. (laughs) More and more, I have people in their early 20s that are reaching out to me, having the kinds of conversations with me that I would have had, yeah. you know, w- when I was their age. Mm-hmm. And it is this kind of realization of, oh, they're looking for <laughs> You're it. guidance. You're like yeah. looking behind you like, wait, are you I'm, talking to someone else yeah. or? Oh, oh my. Oh, oh my. Yeah. And that, that is just as scary as the preaching thing or mm. just as scary as the initial worship leading thing. But I feel like it's the next sure. horizon. It's the next unfolding of this destiny, these good works that he has prepared for me in advance to do. I think that's, that's where I'm headed. It's interesting how you um, frame the lies. Like you're like, here's a lie that I'm good enough or I'm not good enough or whatever. You say, here's the lie because it is through his grace that until this moment, I would have been like, no, that's the truth. Like, I'm not good enough. But you have you have gotten to a point in your life where you naturally just take the next step and be like, it's a lie because his grace is sufficient, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that is, I think that's an important part of anyone's discipleship. It's like, it. I'm not good enough, but... I am good enough because not because of me, but because of God. I think that that because of part is. is Yeah. And I wouldn't say good enough. I'd say equipped and I'd say called, you know, like, I don't know, maybe that language just sits better with me, but like, am I equipped because 
you know, look at me and look at all I've done and look at my accolades? No. Am I equipped because he has called me to this work and he has promised never to leave me or forsake me and that he will abide with me. And I can just quote you the whole Bible then. Yes. (laughs) I'm equipped because of him. Yeah. Because of him. Yeah. I didn't call myself to this work. He called me to this work. Mm -hmm. And so he is going to see me through it. What he began, he's going to finish. So it's all about him. I think that gives me the most confidence. I think I totally get it when Paul says that he boasts like in Christ alone. I can't boast in anything else, but I can boast in him and how he equips. Yeah. I think that's, that's critical. I mean, obviously, but my story is like the part of my story that I struggle with is that (laughs) I thought I had it. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I too was raised in a Christian home mm-hmm. and bunch of squares raised on by podcast. Christian parents. And when I went to high school, I was voted most likely to become a missionary. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out? Uh, great. And I was baptized. I was baptized at Grace Church. Um, I saw people in my life who had come who had like true life in their relationship with God. And I I wanted that. So I committed my life to God when I was a teenager. So the part that I struggle with is like that happened. Then life happened. And I, I would say probably for the last 12 years, it's been like a re upping Mm -hmm. of what began back there, I guess. But like, I don't know what happened. So, okay. So it's, it's, it it almost feels like I had another life. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, like there's that part of my life where I was like raised in Christian home and you know, that part. And then there's the part where like, I usually start my testimony. I don't start the part where Mm -hmm. I like, I came to know Christ because Mm -hmm. a lot happened after that. Sure. (laughs) And so, um, when I think about like my new creation story, I think about the part, the, 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 the part where like I, I was and probably still am a very selfish person. You asked the question, how did you used to live as a master of your own universe? And my answer is easy in almost every way possible in almost every way imaginable. I was, I was the master of my own universe for as long as I can remember. I believed, I believed that I was smarter, funnier, wiser, uh, more talented than anyone else. Like, and it was almost a, it was almost like I need to show whoever I'm with that I am more of whatever they think they are than they are. Hmm. Okay, so I lived into uh, a false self mm-hmm. so hard. I listened to the evil one. That was your other question, telling me that the only thing that mattered was my own gratification and satisfaction for a long time. Um, and this is all happening after I, right? Okay, so. I believe that being respected was the most important thing Mm. in my life for a variety of reasons that I'm I'm sure I've talked about on this Mm -hmm. show, but being respected by other people, especially those close to me was like the the most important thing. I believe that I'd only get somewhere in life if I was respected and I could make, and I could make others respect me. Okay. So respect came through, not, not through like, investment of time and serving it came through like exploiting people Hmm. because I thought that if I could do X, they would respect me. If I could, um, if I could, if I, if I was, 
smarter and worked harder than person they would they would respect me and that was more important to me than anything so i manip- i manipulated people in uh fairly harmless ways like the time i told my apartment complex that my dog was my brother my brother's dog who was serving in afghanistan just so i could avoid the pet deposit that is not that's harmless. Not good. <laughs> Tyler. That's not even close to fairly harmless. Oh, that's pretty harmless. Like, it, like whatever. You it didn't really hurt you anyone. You were so dead in your sin, brother. <laughs> How is your brother doing? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the story is I don't have a brother. <laughs> it was, I just didn't want to pay the pet deposit. So, oh. so there's that. And then I did the same version of that, but just in really damaging ways to people that I cared about. Hmm. Uh, women, myself, my friends, my family. Um, and in some ways that still reverberate today. So I got involved and keep in mind, like this is all after the baptism and the thing, sure. you know, I got involved in drugs. I got involved in sexual encounters without caring much about the people that I was affecting or were affecting me. I was driven by appearing like I had it more together than anyone else. I was driven by appearing like I was everything to everyone. Like I was the model Christian kid. I was voted most likely to be missionary. And for the people who needed me to fit that, I was that for the people who needed me to fit um, in the playboy. I was that. And the people that needed me to fit into a leader, Mm. I was that archetype. I was that whatever it took for me to think that I was making you respect me is what I was doing. And then in 2004, 2005, the bottom dropped out and, I went to five funerals, people I cared about in like six weeks. Um, I remember being at my uncle's funeral and getting a phone call that my friend uh, was killed in Afghanistan and, and that I needed to go home for another funeral. Mm-hmm. So at my worst, my rock bottom, um, I was, I blew every cent that I had or that I had saved thinking like I was building for some version of the future, but I'd blown it all on drugs and alcohol and um, someone said to me who cared about me, they said, God's not done with you. You, yeah, you feel alone. Um, You feel abandoned. You feel like it's dark, but God's not done. And he will use you to someday help other people who are not as strong as you um, when they're in need or in pain. And I'd like to say that that is what Mm. changed everything, (laughs) but that was 2004. And I don't really attribute the whole like, coming alive in Christ until a couple years, even after that. Sure. Um, and I attribute a lot of it to a season of which I was going through what we called way of discipleship at grace. I was going through it with a man named David Bell. And I came alive in Christ when I saw the damage that I'd done to the people that I cared about. Um, and learned that the problem wasn't others not respecting me. That was not the problem. The problem was me and my false self of telling myself that I was better than other people. Hmm. And the only way, the only way I learned and I came to learn that the only way for me to not lose everything I said, I loved like my wife, you know, the person that I was falling in love with was to completely surrender that stuff to God and trust him with my life, my relationships in my identity. Um, I realized through this relationship with David Bell and through others at, at really at grace, I was not, capable of manifesting the level of identity and respect that I thought I wanted. 
I had to surrender that stuff to Christ in hopes of ever getting to a place where God's opinion of me is what is what was more important than what anyone else would think. Like, for example, I am God's beloved son. That had I had to get to a place where that mattered more to me than whether or not my wife thought I was smart. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, so that experience, that experience is what changed everything. And that was 2013 or 14. And um, I see my role as not as a not as a leader who needs to be respected, but as a participant in something that's bigger than me um, and important, more important than me for the sake of glorifying God. um, Who did I feel like twice has brought me back from from the dead to a life that I do not deserve. Mm. Um, I don't deserve my wife, my kids, like, I don't, I, I don't feel like I deserve being on this podcast. I don't feel like I deserve, um, name it. Um, but I love, I, I, I think God has brought me back twice. Um, and I don't, I think about how much I love being a resource for the people of Grace Church and the people who, um, are in my life. And I, 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 I see my calling almost as a, I think back to that moment where um, Tammy was her name said, you know, so someday God's going to use you to help other people who are not as strong as you. And I think about that every time I, not every time I go to work, but a lot, I think about that a lot. And I thought about how much I love that call that from that long ago mm. to where I am today and participating in, pastoral mm. shepherding mm-hmm. of people. And, um, is Tammy still around? Does she know what you do? Um, yeah. Yeah. So around the time of way of discipleship, I reached out to her and I said, I have, I hadn't spoken to her in 10, 15 years. And I said, you probably don't even remember this, <laughs> but here's what this me- meant to me. And she was actually really, really sick at the time. And mm. it like gave her life mm-hmm. in the in the moment. I don't I haven't talked to her since, but I just wonder like somebody who has the kind of compassion to share something like that with you that was so pivotal yeah. in your story. You've shared that story multiple times. Mm-hmm. I know how much that has meant to you. I wonder if she prayed for you all the time. I wonder if yeah. you were you were her one. Yeah. Mm. I, I I probably was. Yeah. Your existence in this church and in this community should probably give a lot of people hope because Mm. again, if they're anything like the parents and the families that I talked to after the sermon two weeks ago, you know, (laughs) I'm sure there was a time in your life where you could never have imagined that you'd be working for a church and (laughs) being a pastor, no less. Like the day before I accepted (laughs) the job to come work here, I thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. I'm just thinking, reflecting on, <clears throat> Marin, you started your story with your mom's mm-hmm. redemption story. Mm-hmm. Well, Tyler, think about your boys. Like they are now yeah. being raised by, by you, who mm-hmm. we all know is this godly, like 
pastor guy yeah. and your transformed life is going to lead them to begin a story that may be more like mine. Mm. Maybe Milo will never raise his voice at his parents because oh, he's late. raised as a good, well, he after might, a certain He night. might drive to church separately though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> One time. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I'm just yeah. like, who knows how God, yeah. it's, it's right. even beyond our own mm-hmm. stories, how yes. it begins to radiate into the stories of others. That's why I have hope. Yeah. Is because every time a person is redeemed or saved or brought into this new life, that life begins to spread. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the story of, of, of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought a lot about that and um, I'm probably still selfish sometimes and whatever. I, no, <laughs> probably sometimes, but I think about a lot about like, I think a lot about my purpose mm. and it went from, I can't remember the last time I cared about, being the smartest, funniest. Like that used to be an active thought yeah. of mine. And I can't remember the last time I even th- thought about that. Um, I think now simply like being someone who is available to other people and their understanding of who they are in their relationships um, and their own like callings is, is the thing that fires me up. The thing that like, I would say like I'm being called more and more to, mm-hmm. um, I'm driven by helping people understand things that are hard to understand. Not because I think I know, I don't know. I think that's the biggest change is that I used to try to pretend I knew, mm-hmm. but just to do it with other people, helping people understand life like hard to understand things isn't that kind of what started this podcast yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah it's like we talk about really hard things to understand yeah and i want to talk about that on on a real level so and i i can affirm i want to say like tyler i've seen i've been now working with you for for years and i can see in your interactions with other people the exact opposite of somebody who's trying to be the smartest person in the Mm. room or the best person in the room, you consistently give way to other people. You consistently make room for other people's opinions. You're, Mm. you're never going to be the one who's going to be my way or the highway Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And to think that that's how you used to be is, is quite remarkable. And Marin, for you, you're talking about yourself having been very self-righteous. Well, you're one of the people I think of as a very, uh, unself-righteous person. You're very, you're very humble. You're always like, thinking of you're acknowledging your own weaknesses and elevating the voices of other people. Like that is not a self-righteous person. So mm-hmm. I think we can see, yeah. I can see in your lives, the truth of this transformation that's happening, yeah. even though, I mean, now that we're getting old and turning 40, <laughs> you know, we're only maybe midway through the journey of our, right. of our lives. But, but now we're at the age where you can can actually look back and you can see patterns and you can see transformation probably more clearly than you can when you're in the middle of your twenties or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can, I I can see it and it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. It's interesting because for me, the brokenness, like the burning it all to the ground happened like 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. 10 or 11 years ago, but now I'm seeing the fruit. Mm. And I feel like that's the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. We all have, all three of us, we had to come to this place of brokenness. We had to come to the end of ourselves. We had to see that God was enough Mm -hmm. because he is, Mm -hmm. because he just is his grace. That happened 
over a decade ago for all three of us. Yeah. And we're seeing the fruit of that right now. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, the, the, um, similarity of like, I, I can't do it with, I can't, I can't, if I keep trying, I'm going to ruin, I'm going to make things worse. And, uh, surrendering that to, to, to God is a, is a common thread, but yeah. And that, I mean, same thing for me, it was, yeah. it was that junior year at college where I was seeing the, de- the path of devastation yeah. in my life and my, even relationships with my, my parents, my family, like my friends and realizing I can't, I can't keep going on like this. I've tried being the master of my own universe and I, yeah. I'm not great at it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So hopefully that's encouragement to friends of the pod. Um, I know we're wrapping up hope month. So, uh, we've got weekend of service this week and then Barry, what do we do next? What are, what are we doing? A very uh, different, different, <laughs> uh, maybe it's not different. It's different from what we've been doing. We're going to be spending four weeks camped out in the book of Jonah in the old Testament. I say it like a question mark because Jonah? I don't know Jonah in the old I, Testament. <laughs> I haven't, I don't think I've heard a message from the book of Jonah in a, very long time, nor have I ever maybe ever preached one. So I'm very excited. How do you decide this? Do you just like rifle through the book, all 66 chapters and you're like, Hmm, Habakkuk. (laughs) I don't, sometimes, sometimes it's like, man, we really need to do a series on the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do that? Or we have not been in the prophets much recently. I wonder if there's something there for us. And that's sometimes how it starts. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember specifically how I came to this one, but I remember as I was just something clicked in my mind and I was like, Oh, interesting Jonah. And then I was thinking about the themes of Jonah, everything from following the call of God on your life to, uh, accepting God's grace for people that you hate. Mm -hmm. Like that is a, those are, these are, interesting things for us to chew on. And I don't know that there's even going to be a master theme yeah. for the whole series, but there will be four individual stories uh, crying out to God in desperation when you've reached literal rock bottom. Mm. Like there are, there are opportunities for us to just dig into to whatever God has for us mm. in this story. I think it'll be good. Jonah and the whale. Like that is the biggest, uh, misconception on what the book's even about. Yes. No, I no, agree. no <laughs> discrepancy between like, if you are raised in church, like what you hear as a child about uh, yeah. the Bible in church and whatever to what you hear as an adult. Like I, I too can't remember the last time I like heard <laughs> yeah. anything right. about Jonah, but my kids have both already heard about Jonah <laughs> yeah. in grace kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The biggest discrepancy story. And there I'm sure is they the love Bible. the part where he's, he's yeah. saying that he wishes God would just strike him dead because he saved Assyria from yeah, destruction that, that's while, while the vine above him yeah. withers in the hot sun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. What a classic yeah. kid story. Yay. <laughs> um, It'll be good. So. Didn't Pinocchio also, Never mind. See, this is the problem. <laughs> I feel like because. Like you said, you yeah. haven't heard a message from Jonah yeah, right. in a minute. And most of us have to go back to our childhoods right. to recall like anything. Jonah and the whale. There was a whole ship down there, Remember right? That in the one whale. Time oh, wait, that no, Jonah, that was Pinocchio. Jonah yeah. built a fire in the whale's yeah. belly yeah. to keep himself warm. And didn't he start speaking like right? whale language? Father. And he was like, no, it's finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll we'll do that. So we will do a podcast next week, even After though we, we don't go to service. We will. Oh, we, yeah, we will. I don't know what it's going to be about. But it may be probably about weekend of service. Yeah. If I had to guess. Yeah. But hopefully everybody's 
who's listening to this is is coming. It'll be good. What do you, do you guys know what you're doing? I'm going to, I'm just going to try to visit as many projects as I can. I'm going to yeah. go pop in and see what's going on. And Same here. Lead and worship. All right. Going to visit projects. Yeah. I love hope month. I am glad that I don't have to write a daily devotional. <laughs> every oh, day. were you, you were so many people last week. were talking about how much that devotional has meant to them. Oh, good. I don't know if you were getting <laughs> any of this feedback, well, but I, was late. I am getting this feedback. Oh, so, good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten any. It's like, uh, I don't know. They are loving it. Oh, good. Well, maybe I do have to write it every day. I think you do. Sorry, man. We'll talk about it. (laughs) All right. uh, That's good for this week. Marin, will you please send us out? I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Bye.